I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Hello and welcome back to Outer Travel Inner Journey. On today's show, I'm sitting down with Ivory Van Veen. He, she is currently in Canada. Hello, Ivory. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Alexandra? Oh, I'm doing quite well. Thank you. I enjoy spring. Spring is always beautiful to me. So I thought I'd come together with Ivory and introduce you to you, dear listener, because Ivory just revealed to me that she has spent some time in an ashram. And I thought that might be an interesting aspect to people who would love to do that and maybe see the impact of that. So Ivory had started, as far as I understand, she started a um, yoga teaching career. She did, you did your education as a yoga teacher. Is that how it started, Ivory? Yeah, so I have, well, I have my ba original background is in like health and fitness, but oh. um, so it was personal training before then. But um, yeah, so I have, I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training and then was inspired to go to um, the ashram and deepen my practice. So that teacher training is a Shivananda teacher training. Yes, I have a Shivananda training and just like a 200 general Hatha teacher training. Oh, I see. So um, what was your desire behind, you know, why did you decide to go into an ashram? Why were you driven to do that? I think um, I was just looking for something. Well, I guess like once you, I, I don't know, like once you start to taste like the stillness of yoga and like I was just having all these like, aha moments and like I was just like awakening to like my spirituality and being like like how is this happening or this like but everything was like making sense but it was just like so mind-blowing because it was a veil had been lifted it was like oh like whoa this is like a whole other world to explore and um I was just really really loving um that process and um yoga and um I, I just had this desire to really deepen my practice and really go into it, you know, versus the like go to class two or three times a week. And yeah. not that there's, I mean, you can gain so much from that as well, but it's totally different when, yeah, yeah, a deep, deep, deep practice. Um, yeah, so th that was where that came from. And I'm, I also wanted to travel. I was like, I, I want to travel. I want to deepen my practice. And um, hmm. the Shivananda Bahamas um, ashram came up in my Google search and also was recommended to me from a few like friends in the community who had like just gone for a week um, to discover and like recommended it to me. So yeah i was just like okay let's do it like it just mm. it felt aligned at the time and yeah there it was yeah and uh so what was the hardest part for you to give up you know to 
to carve out the courage to go there or to carve out the time. I mean, there, if you think about somebody who's, I think right. about how I touched yoga and I got totally inspired, but I decided, okay, I can only book a, you know, I can only book a holiday. And then I ended up accidentally in an ashram while I visited my yoga teacher, you know, because I couldn't find any other uh, accommodation. So what was it for you? What kind of triggered what? Yeah, um, I think like I just knew I needed to change and I knew yoga was the path for me. I, I went when I was pretty young, like I want to, not like that long ago, but I must have been like, I'm 27 now, I must have been like 24, you know, like I didn't, I don't, at that age, even now, like I don't have a lot of obligations um, I don't have kids, family, mortgage. Like, there's nothing really holding me back. Mm -hmm. I can understand if it, you're in a different situation, but um, yeah, there. It was. I was ready and prepared for it. Like, okay. And I wasn't really nervous, to be honest. I was just mm -hmm. open to the experience. It was yeah. your next adventure, so to speak. What's my next adventure? No, it was your next like, adventure, so to speak. Yeah. At that age, yeah, you know. it was my next adventure. Yeah. Mm. yeah it, yeah it was just aligned and I was ready I, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting into so I wasn't really nervous because I didn't really know what was what to expect yeah and what what happened then when you arrived what was some you know what <laughs> we've heard uh, about so many people you know famous people I'm just thinking Elizabeth Dilbert you know if she describes an eat pray love you know how she kind of uh, arrived at the ashram and how she struggled with the day-to-day -day. oh I have to get up and be at that you know <laughs> right so what was it for you that triggered you or not triggered you in the ashram what did you like what did you just what did you oh it difficult? seems so long ago I'm trying to think like I would say it's a big shock in the beginning because um it's just a different conscious step of like a different consciousness you're stepping into in some way. Um, you know, like we all have collective consciousness and we all have collective consciousnesses, consciousnesses, that's not really a word, but like based on where we're living too, mm. right? Like there's yeah. a collective conscious in Germany, there's a collective conscious in Ottawa. Like there's these little holes and gaps that we step into. So stepping into um, a conscious, a collective consciousness that is so is vibrating like here when you're maybe vibrating here is a like I think that more was a big step in like just that that kind of shock of where am I in some way um I would how also you, say how did you figure that out I mean that is um to me you're talking about Akashic records you know in the sense of that whatever we do is kind of stored in the environment. So if there are certain mm. practices in uh, cultural practices, they're going to be stored and they are in around us. So when we kind of fine tune ourselves, we we're subconsciously being driven to that. So how did that kind of. Well, I, I don't know. It's just something I knew or felt or understood subconsciously, I guess. I mean, it's, it was a very magical place for me. Like yeah. the, the plants <laughs> like fucking dance, like they're alive. These plants, like when you walk into the ashram, like they're like moving and like, wow. like I'm not talking about like wind moving, like they are very alive. It's wow. like, 
you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and there was also just like a certain, the, this, it was just like stepping into paradise for me. It was so beautiful. Um, it just felt like unreal. Like, how is this happening? How are all these people living together and just in harmony and in peace? And, um, you know, there's just like this beautiful smells and sounds and just love and people uh, taking care of one e uh, of each other. And, um, yeah, that was pretty cool for me. Um, also like as, I guess as well, like for me, um, we haven't talked about this part yet, but, um, there was definitely like recognizable faces for me right off the bat, like people I've met in before, if you believe in past lives, like definitely people I've, I definitely have had a past life, um, in that community before. So it was quite intense, but yeah, just knowing that there was like a, definitely a shift in consciousness um yeah so it was just like a deep knowing yeah wow deep, deep knowing. even even some of the people like were familiar like reminded me of family or friends like just their aura their way about them they're like mm. they didn't have to look exactly like a family yeah. member but like there was something very deep like heart deep almost um yeah what did it help you with I mean, you know, if we want to go there or not, it doesn't matter, you know, like um, whether people believe in past lives or not. It, I think that's not the point. I think the point, the more interesting point would be like, what is it enabling you to when you land in this familiarity and in this kind of feeling maybe that there is something that you need to do right here or kind of experience right, right. here. Well, what was it for you? What came up if it's not too private? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I needed to do there. I, yeah, there was nothing. No, I don't think there was anything that came up, but like I, I could just feel like this. Yeah, it was just an intense feeling or knowing that I am meant to be here where um, mm. I've been here before or um, there's something for me here. Just a, yeah, definitely a deep knowing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think the, the thing about the deep knowing, what is, what is it like the essence of it? What, what do we get out of when we know something so intently and so intensely? What, what is happening? I mean, what happens? You know, if we make this a conversation rather than <laughs> yeah, 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 a, a tale of, um, I feel that. Yeah, my adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that we're living in cycles. You know, what comes up in me when I hear you saying that if, if we land in something where we feel uh, that we can trust the environment, you know, because Atram is so not modern, you know, it's not something we spend a lot of time in. And in the Western culture, we would think of. Um, like monasteries or anything you know in comparison right. so it's not anything somebody would likely do but more and more people are getting intrigued in going to ashrams or when they want to deep as like you experience um the yoga practice a bit deeper we're thinking about these places and suddenly you end somewhere where you're meant to be as you called it so 
did you feel you wouldn't have traveled so deeply into the yoga practice or didn't make the friends or was there an elevation of time or a speeding up in understanding what comes along with a lineage like Shivananda or what comes along with what we call the spiritual past? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure what you're asking. <laughs> Okay, um, I, I sound so mysterious when I concoct my question. Um, I think sometimes, like, okay, I used to um, travel to Ireland when I was in my, in my teenage years. You know, I used to go to Ireland quite often with good friends of mine. And somehow that place had become the source of being somebody different, you know, like, because nobody from school did that. I did that with different friends in a different matter and the next time when Ireland came up on my radar was when a friend of mine like now I was in my 30s a friend of mine kind of went for a holiday for a vacation and she came back and said I'm moving there and something really cut right through and um, told me I need to go there too and I'm I you know I spent years and years and summers and summers in Ireland before and then somebody comes and I thought I've done that and checked check that and then the next thing that happened to me was like I'm back in Ireland because I felt called into that place and once I landed in Ireland that was quite familiar to me and yet not familiar you know like you landing in a monastery or in in mm. an ashram where you're aware that there is yoga and suddenly you're surrounded by people that can hold you or you know that can hold your spirit for me, it was like it triggered everything that needed to be triggered that is blind to me. That's how I came out of that experience in Ireland initially, you know, until mm. I kind of found what I call in my work, the Dharma, you know, what am I made? Why am I here? What is my uh, task? I wouldn't have developed that if I stayed in my home country. So my question to you is exactly that, you know, is it, did you feel you wouldn't have dared to do things or open up to things or... Uh, maybe not you know that's that's not a yeah that's not a yes or a no question it's just like yeah I definitely think there's a different container there for sure that like um you know like that that allowed me to heal not necessarily that there was any deep deep wound that needed healing but we all carry shit and baggage and um yeah having like um like can you imagine just being surrounded by like 50 other yogis who just like can totally hold you and hold space for you and you know if that yogi isn't available there's another person that's available to like watch you cry and watch you grow and like just be there for you as you move through the practice and um watch yourself yeah being unpeeled like the onion um yeah it's pretty amazing to have a container like that yeah i definitely don't think i would have um accelerated or done what i needed to do in at home it, yeah. it wouldn't have happened because i don't think like i, I had that safe container of people around me to hold me but I also learned through that process and I would actually say the hardest part of um, ashram life is reintegration back into societal life 
but through that process, I would say like, I learned to hold space for myself as well. You know, like be able to go home and even though, you know, I didn't have the support anymore, I didn't have those friends, those people to hold me and hold the space for me anymore. It was like relearning to hold that space on my own and, and taking what I learned and being open to sharing myself vulnerably to even my family or friends or people I would consider like won't get it, won't understand, won't, it's okay if they don't understand. I just need to express myself in this moment or I just need to, you know, be in this moment. And it's okay if the other person, you know, isn't, isn't like necessarily receptive. They're still a human with a heart and, um, Mm you know, Mm. it's more about, yeah, holding my own space and my own practice. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. It reminds me, thank you for reminding me, you know, it's, um, it reminds me of that in order for change, we need to build safe containers, you know, and like an ashram can be such a container. And I mean, moving to another country was for me a safe container I was going away from like the container that where people defined me in a certain way which I don't want to be defined as any longer and so I created my own container and I still create container for people outside the ashrams through group work to do that to feel safe in that spot uh, you know and then kind of go through the process in a way that you that you can learn and open up until you open up enough or learned enough to go out and practice that without the container in like a regular environment, if you want to call it that. Yeah. That, that remind me what, that's what you remind me of when you speak like that. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's also just like the power of travel, right? Like to be able to just go to a different country where nobody knows you. And I'm not saying like, you know, to let go of yourself or like to uh, not let go of yourself, but run away from yourself. That's a different thing. Yeah. But sometimes we do need to go and reinvent ourselves and um, re-experience ourselves or experience ourselves in a new perspective and a new, in a new way. And yeah, mm. build that safe space for ourselves to explore a, a different dynamic of ourselves and then come back and mm. integrate what what we've learned, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's super powerful what you're saying, for sure. Yeah, and what you're saying, because um, you also mentioned that, not here, but before, that, you know, when you go into an ashram, it's quite a bubble. I mean, it's like, you, you know, where you can release, you have these practices, uh, apparently, in place, where you have... Um, a concentrated day is that like that like you you do yeah, you, do, you live on yeah. a schedule right yeah yeah mm, yeah yeah so that's what makes it kind of a bubble because you you're not going to be in a strict container like that if you kind of come into your regular working life or anything so for sure it, not no for sure not so what what were your what was your on take on that you know strictness or on that routine that's coming mm-hmm. with an ashram life yeah, it's very hard. 
<laughs> definitely like there's some I think the biggest thing in the beginning was like an issue to like authority figure like and I, I know I still have issues with like authority and police and government and all this stuff but like it just felt like who are you to tell me what I can and can't do and you're gonna kick me out if I don't do it like yeah. this this anger there's a lot of anger in me mm. in the beginning um towards like yeah the system yes um and what how was that for you i mean did you did it had any repercussions for you to be in that space of where you were resisting obviously and maybe a little bit rebellious Were there reper what what would be can you give me an example? Yeah, did you kind of end up being so rebellious that you wouldn't show up for practices and then you were oh. if you don't show up? I mean, I don't know, I'm making this up. Yeah. Um in the beginning, no, because I I really thought like I wasn't allowed and like I'm someone who follows the rules pretty well. So in the beginning I was just very like internally upset. Um at near the like middle or end or I don't know somewhere along the way like I I definitely did allow myself to not show up you know um mm -hmm. yeah and that was totally okay and I think that was part of the practice of allowing myself to be okay with not showing up like it's you know and because I can be a bit of a perfectionist and a bit of like you know driven a type sometimes so yeah that that was part of the practice and you know they don't kick you out if you miss a a <laughs> satsang or yeah. a practice okay. or whatever mm -hmm. um i mean if it becomes a regular thing and you're not really there to take in the experience yes you're asked to leave because you're not what's the point of you being there if you're not actually being a part of the experience so Yeah, I, I kind of learned how to bend the rules a little bit mm, at, mm. over time, you know, like just mm. kind of talking to other people and seeing how they were practicing and just, um, yeah, and just being like, like, um, responsible to myself first before somebody else. So, okay, of course, you can tell me what to do, but if it doesn't feel right for me, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a huge learning curve for me too, because I, I mean, we're so programmed, right? Like we yeah. do what we're told yeah. and to actually be able to like listen to that inner authority that's saying, you know, like, no, like my body needs sleep <laughs> or, mm. you know, like I'd, just one day of sleep or, um, my, you know, I need to be by the ocean right now, mm. you know, or mm. I'd rather be meditating here. Um, you know and that's totally okay and it's that feminine balance practice i would say ashram life is very masculine and you know yeah. there is some issues i i do have with it but there is also like a um a beauty in that too because mm. you learn discipline you learn um you learn to power through resistance mm you find your own way to move through resistance. Mm. Mm. So I, I definitely think like, you know, there is a beauty to it, but yeah, like long-term it definitely, I couldn't do it long-term. 
Actually, yeah. I, you know, I think I could, but I would, I would need to know that I would be supported in um, more balanced, um, more balanced practice, you know? Yeah. Like if I shunned or condemned from the group like it would just be too much for me to be like okay like if I'm going to be shunned for you know going to the beach right now like it's not happening or or whatever going to get a coffee or Hmm. like in the in the higher monk levels you can see that there is like that um strictness and that requirement so yeah yeah I, I don't know and you never got called, uh, you never felt called into that becoming like a monk or a nun in your case? Um, sorry, just phone call came through. Oops, I didn't know I had that on. I apologize. Um, that's a hard question because I think yes and no. I would say no more so like there's a part of me that was like yes I could do this and like I really enjoy the environment and the people and I feel so good here and it feels like home here for me I mean I definitely know I've done I've had past lives as a monk but um so I think there was that part of me being like okay like this you know this feels familiar but I think there's something like deep inside me that n- knew or knows that like I have a different path to lead lead mm-hmm. in this life. And mm-hmm. I do think like I want, you know, children and a family and um, yeah, I don't think I, yeah. 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 I mean, I think everyone who goes to the ashram considers it. If you stay for more than three months, I think everyone thinks about it, yeah. you know, like, Oh, like, this seems so beautiful. Yeah. This life. And not everybody who goes to church needs to become a pastor or you're right. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I do feel there is a little bit of ashram shopping going on. I don't know whether you perceive that as well as you're kind of stepping into the yoga world as a teacher, you know, and a lot of people, they want to, do that bit of shopping but um i understand you took some time out that's like six seven months to to really get into the experience and really get through these uh as you say you know resistances and discover what you need to discover for yourself so would you recommend to go for a short time is that purposeful or what what is your own take after your own experience of course um i think there's always you can always receive something from going even if it's for short personally i think it takes a lot more time to integrate into that kind of environment like there you know they do host um you know, people for a week or weekend, or they have like little programs like detox programs or whatever you want to do really like meditation programs or whatever. But yeah, I think you need at least a week, 10 days to integrate into the space before you can actually like start to really receive the practices. And I would recommend someone stay for a month to three months if they were to go I would highly recommend it if it's something that you know is deep on your heart and is a desire of yours like I would definitely 100% recommend it it will change your life yeah yeah 
And um, I think so. I mean, what I heard you saying is obviously a conundrum that I feel myself faced with a lot lately. You know, the the instigation of discipline doesn't come easily, and it's for to some it comes uh, easily. And then there is the the boundaries of like how far are you taking discipline until you're free? You know, I mean, discipline can bring us so much, you know, the, the discipline of brushing our teeth can mean that we have healthy teeth. And in the end, you know, if there's no further complications, so discipline has its value. But as you're saying, if there, if it's kind of losing its power because the discipline is so enforced that you are not free to find your own, life expression and life force then it becomes detrimental as like uh, almost cult worthy i think you know <laughs> so yeah oh for yeah. sure oh it yeah. is like cult in some ways like I'm, i won't deny that like it is mm. very cult like and i think i think there is a lot of that world worldwide like it's interesting and especially with like these like lineages these gurus like we're seeing so many even like um bikram there's a bikram documentary there was some other documentary come out but um i guess the kundalini uh, what what's the kundalini guy's name um oh i don't know no okay well anyways yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, high yeah. gurus fell in the last year yeah um or like things have come out about them mistreating women and blah 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 and mm. like I, I i do think there is some issues with community living and um this yeah cult culture um because there's but there's both you know there's the light and the dark because there are benefits but yeah it, it's an intense ex it can be an intense experience for some people in that way um mm. I didn't, I didn't find that. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, like this is a cult, but like a lot of people in the ashram were like, oh, it's so culty here. I'm like, well, yeah, it kind of is, but you signed up for it, you know? Yeah. I think, um, the, the borderline to, you know, cults is, or where we're not sure whether we can call something a cult or not is in the very own, responsibility of how far you allow yourself to be led you know or right exactly yeah that's well that's the too. problem too mm -hmm. is like all these people are coming because well not everyone but a lot of people come with like heavy trauma and baggage and stuff that they haven't mm -hmm. healed and someone comes along and says hey like i can help you you know <laughs> but yeah. like where yeah. are the where are their true intentions what it like yeah, I, I saw like a few people where like I could tell like, you know, they've had some very deep damp, like trauma and this was a safe place for them. And that's great. Mm -hmm. But because they crave that safety so deeply, like it, it just took them, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally hear you. And it's definitely not easy. How do you create groups? As you say, you know, there is an issue with, you know, I mean, group dynamics are uh, important for our growth because they can elevate growth and they can further growth. And then they 
can become exactly the opposite, you know, like in this pandemic where if you say, if we are still in COVID-19 here, and if you say something about numbers that are right and wrong, and if you say something about um, how to protect people or not to protect people, or what's more important, it becomes so you know, group enforced, no, um, why are you not wearing that mask? Are you not caring about the person in front of you? That's, that's group enforcement to me, instead of allowing people in their own expression, you know, and to see what's going on around them and knowing their own good health for first thing, you know, <laughs> just to take this in, into what's happening, not only within, it's just a reflection because we're, we're looking at, to me, we're looking at micro by a, um, how do you say that, microbiographics, um, you know, compared to macrobiographics, you know, if you look at an ashram or if you look at a yoga scene or if you look at a, something that is kind of following a lineage, if we want mm -hmm. to use that word, and it becomes something where the people that are involved enforcing rules, they understand through the lineage, you know, and they enforce it in the way they want it. And uh, then, then it's just a reflection of what's really going on on a bigger level, I think, you know, like politically right. or totally. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just uh, uh, microbiome. Yeah, mo microcosm, macrocosm, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking also, I think I think of two words at this point, but <laughs> yeah, macrocosm, microcosm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. That's what I find. So, but you came out just to finish this conversation yeah. you, and you came out with a lot of results and what was, um, what would you say was your biggest takeaway from your life in an ashram? Mm. <laughs> that's hard. I don't know. Um, I would maybe two things, um, the importance of community and like, yeah, the importance of community and friendship as well as maybe, um, I think the biggest thing, one of the biggest things for me is like allowing myself to feel and express my emotions. You know, um, I, I was always a very sensitive child. Like you could ask my parents, they'd still say I'm sensitive, but very sensitive child. And like at an early age, I really learned to shut off the emotion. You know, I, I would still feel it, but I would never, it would just go in deep inside me and I would never express it. And um, I think, yeah, I learned that it's safe and okay to express my emotions um, so I'd say that would be like one of my biggest takeaways. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's beautiful. You know, we don't need to express our emotions um, in a way that other people think. Like we need, don't need to yell or scream or, cre uh, or cry all the time. But with, you know, what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, it's like a way of finding words around your emotions or finding how you can liberate your emotions and let them pass through you in a way that you acknowledge them is that yeah yeah that? yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. beautiful so um just for the listener who is interested to be in touch with you and maybe get a little bit more of your wisdom and your offerings where can we find you ivory yeah you can um probably email would be the best i think or facebook and um, it's just ivory van bean 1993 at gmail.com. 
or um, you can do find you know, me on Facebook. Yeah. Do you, but you teach yoga. Do you have a page that people can call? I do. Oh, yes. I do have a website. It's just my name, ivorybeam.com. I actually don't use it that much, but um, you could definitely check out my website. Um, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I think we leave it at that. I put your website in the, in the description of the show. Awesome. So if you are in Quebec, uh, Canada? Yeah. Yeah, Quebec, right. <laughs> Quebec, Canada, and you'd like to get in touch with Ivory and kind of take up some work with her, that's where you find her. Thank you for taking time to show up here and have this conversation. Ivory. Yeah, you're so welcome. It's so mm. fun. <laughs> and thanks to everybody who listened in again today. I hope to see you soon again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, consider to become a patron patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.